welcome to the Be Together podcast. We believe here that God did not desire for man to be alone. We are created with a need for companionship. So this gift has come to us through family and friends. Join me, Sarah, and my husband, Andrew, each week as we sit down with some of our favorite people and share our hearts on some fun and some difficult topics. Join us. Let's be together. Welcome back to the Be Together podcast. This is episode nine, and we're going to be talking about five ways to keep a marriage strong. Yep, and we just want to say thank you to those of you that listened to episode eight. It was my perspective on how I'm dealing with this quarantine and the stay home order. I gave some practical advice on what to do now and kind of some things that I'm trying to do each day um, to help me get through the day and help it be a little bit enjoyable, I guess. So mm-hmm. we're on day what of quarantine? I don't I think even we're know. day 10. Of the stay home order? I think we're almost at day seven. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're only at day five of the stay home order. Yeah. yeah, but we've been, we were staying in before it was like mandated. Yeah. yeah. So it's been weird. It's been really, really weird. Very weird. This is our kids' like third week out of school because they had a week of spring break at the beginning of all this. And then, yeah, we are now in their third week off. Yep. Our kids are doing good, though. I don't know about Andrew and I. We're hanging on. We're hanging on. We're hanging on. All right. So we're going to jump in. Today, like we said, like Andrew introduced, we're going to talk about five ways to keep your marriage strong. I guess we should probably give a little bit of preface. Sure. We are not marriage experts. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) These are practical things that we have found that keep us strong. And I will say, uh, take everything with a grain of salt. Like... We say these are, we think these are the ways to do this, but we struggle a lot with these things as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we've gone through periods of time where some of these are stronger than others, but we know that they're all valuable Mm -hmm. and we know that they've all helped our relationship. And so we're just going to pass them along. I'm sure a lot of people listening already do some of these things, Uh, but after being married for a while, it's easy to kind of slip into just complacency or old habits. And so hopefully this will kind of remind some people about some things that you can do within your marriage to just keep it strong so all right here we go um we're gonna go through five of these so the first one we're gonna talk about is you want to say it sure prayer um i think i'm a firm believer in prayer works and so there is no more um what's the word i'm looking for like no person that you should pray for more than your spouse. I think you should pray for them, for their safety, for their health, for their dreams to come true, for all of those things, but also um, for your marriage to be strong, for your marriage to um, understand uh, what the other the other partner needs and things like that. So. Right. And, you know, prayer is communication with God. And so... If you're putting that as a priority, then that's a pretty good sign that your uh, faith is also a priority because it's a huge step in that um, practice of just Mm -hmm. strengthening your faith. And so, I mean, one of the most important things, I think, for both people in the marriage is just having that strong faith and wanting to spend time with God in prayer and praying for each other, for your family, um, and all those things Andrew mentioned, too. It's like, Mm -hmm. also pray together. Yes. That can be really awkward for people 
but there's so much power in it. There's so much um, security in that. Uh, it's important. And so if you're somebody who needs to, you know, just voice that to your spouse, like I want to pray together, then um, do it. You know, it's awkward, like I said, when you first do it, but there's just a lot of power in it. So I think praying for each other and with each other and telling each other, like, I prayed for you today, or, you know, Andrew will tell me what time certain things are happening at work. And so, and I do the same for him. And so we'll pray for each other at that time when something specific is happening that is important. Yeah. Okay. So that was number five, pray for each other. Uh, The fifth thing, Uh, the next one. Number four on our list, give each other time to do what you enjoy. So when I say this, I mean it in the context of giving them time kind of to themselves or to do things that they enjoy that maybe you don't necessarily enjoy together. Yeah, absolutely. I think giving space is the the way that I describe this. You need to give your spouse space. Um, (laughs) To be away from you. <laughs> and that sounds weird. but It does sound time. weird. But you need to be able to give... Like, your spouse had hobbies, has hobbies, before you were together. They have hobbies while you're together. But they that doesn't mean that every single hobby has to include the other spouse. Yeah, like, part. I think that when you're dating, there's a little bit of pressure with that. Mm-hmm. Or that maybe what draws you together is that you have certain things in common. But I think it's pretty unlikely that... There's going to be a couple that has every single same hobby and interest. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's good to to give that other person time to do those things. So what are some of those things for you? For me, it's I need a release, a physical release. Um, but what are some of those so, things? Like for softball, I play softball. I work out. Um, I don't usually do those with you. No, he <laughs> um, doesn't. So, uh, But those things for me is... Um, are, are things that really allow me to, yeah. Yeah, release. I was going to say for you, I think it's softball, the gym, and sometimes video games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you're not like a huge gamer, but that's definitely something that I'm not into. And so. Yeah. What about you? Sometimes you'll do that. For me, it's, um, really it's like walking. I like to go like on walks by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, because I am an introvert, I just need alone time. Yeah. Like I don't, have like I do this this and this and this it's just sometimes when I'm doing a task I want to be alone yeah and you recognize that usually uh but I also do bunko with people from work um and mom's night outs with some of my friends sometimes and so you're always very supportive of those things yes I think it's important it's what recharges somebody it's not that Andrew doesn't fulfill me or that I don't like being (laughs) around him I think God just um you know gives us all our own unique interests and yeah and sometimes you don't like being around me so it's okay well i don't know about that but (laughs) it's just it's healthy to have that break sometimes um okay so another three is something that you'll hear from every single marriage expert out there um is you do need to date each other um continue to date each other through your marriage yeah and you know it can look different in different seasons uh but the main idea when we say that is you have to make one-on-one time a priority yes so just like you're going to give each other time to do what you enjoy like we mentioned a minute ago you also have to make the time for one-on-one time and it has to be a priority and it has to be something you talk about um you know you got to put on the calendar you got to talk about it 
you know, different seasons of life when you have a very little baby, it might be date night in where one of you goes out and gets food and when the kids finally go to sleep, you eat it together and you talk and you laugh. You know, there might be seasons where it's a weekend away where you can get somebody to watch your kids for the weekend and you actually get a weekend away. Um, and then it could just be a simple night out to the movies or whatever. But the, the deal is it's not going to happen magically. So you're going to have yeah. to plan it and you're going to have to communicate it. And you can't wait on the other person to always do it. Like I'll tell Andrew, I'd really like us to go on a date night. And he'll say, okay, when? And then we'll start talking about it. And then we'll start thinking about what we could do and what our budget is and where we're going to go and how we're going to have our kids taken care of. Um, you can't just be like, oh, I wish my husband would plan date nights. Maybe he'll do that, but maybe he won't. And I think Andrew appreciates it if I tell him that I'm really wanting a date night. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this is one of the things that I struggle with a lot because it's just it, it the bustle um, of the day-to-day gets in the way of this and it's very easy for this to be pushed down for me especially pushed down and so um i'm always up for a date night i'm always wanting to do that it is never at the forefront of my mind which is wrong which is bad but at the same time i i I really appreciate the prompts from sarah when she says i really want this and then that brings it to the forefront and say okay yes let's do this let's plan on it let's do the scheduling of yeah because when i bring it up you're never like uh yeah no we shouldn't do a date night like (laughs) you're like oh okay yeah let's do that um and you know maybe you are a person who is more like gifted or just mindful of planning those things then just be that person in your relationship and just don't get burnt out on it just remember the value of it but also i think it's important to talk about it i mean i want to have input and I want Andrew to have input about what we're going to do for our date nights. So yep. we, we talk through those things and, um, you know, there's some times where it is just like, let's go to the movies, which isn't where you talk to each other a ton, but it's still relaxing and it's enjoyable and it's uninterrupted and it's just nice. And then there's other times where it's more an experience, like something you physically like would do together. Like, yeah. I don't even know. I can't think of an example right now, like oh, bowling or, yeah. you know, something like that. Oh, yeah, ziplining or something. Yeah, like oh, yeah, we've done that. Um, and double dates and, you know, group dates are fun, too. If you have other like-minded couples that are around you, um, those make for some really good memories as well, and they're just healthy to build those friendships. So keep that yeah. in mind. And along with that, I wanted to say making one-on-one time a priority. I think that that's also important, not just in the context of dating, but also, like, of intimacy. Yeah. I know, like... You want to be all Hollywood and everything's going to be like spontaneous <laughs> and like, it's just, it's not always going to be that way. People, you got to talk about it. You got to tell the other person what you're wanting or thinking, or I don't know, you just got to make it a priority, but you got to talk about it because you can't read each other's minds. And more than likely when it comes to intimacy, you're going to have different expectations and different ideas. True that. <laughs> Especially like timeline and like, I don't know, all that. So just one-on-one time all around. You have to make that a priority. Yep. Okay. So moving on to number two. Um, this is something that's always baffled me. Uh, I didn't date very much, but it always baffled me when my friends were dating. Um, don't keep score um, with the with your spouse. Like, show appreciation and um, for big and small things throughout your entire marriage. Like, I never have understood um, couples that say, well... You know, this, 
you scored 100 points here, you scored this many points here. Well, you, if you get to the certain amount, I'm like, I know Not it's... Not points, but yeah. I've just been like, well, I did this for you, yeah. so you should do this for me. Um, that's just a very selfish viewpoint, yeah. and you can't, you can't keep track of who does what, because you, at the end of the day, one of you is going to end up mad or frustrated, and yeah. honestly, yeah. most of the time... You're both doing things. You're just not realizing it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I have those moments where I start to get in that pity party, frustrated state, and I start to think about all the things I've done that day, if I stop and really think about it, Andrew's done things too. I just haven't really paid that much attention, you know? And maybe it's not like that in your marriage. Maybe you do a whole lot more than the other person as far as like um, just home tasks or, you know, things that have to be done to keep life going. But if that's the case, you need to talk about it, you know, and tell the person how you're feeling. Or a lot of times, if you just simply ask the other person with a non-condescending or demanding tone, they'll usually step up or remember that you felt that way, you know? Yeah, and I think with that, though, there's expectations. Sarah and I have learned, have had to learn how to do this like Sarah will ask for help I am willing to help I want to help but early on in our marriage when she would ask for help her ex- her expectation or unspoken expectation was that I was going to jump on it right then and there whatever, yeah, like, whatever it was Andrew take out the trash or will say, you okay, please cool. take out the trash he's like and yeah I'll, I'll take yes. care of it and then it sits there and then I watch it I walk <laughs> by it again and it's still sitting there and like he knows trash day is Friday but yeah, it's Wednesday it. and it's still sitting it there and it's still sitting there. And I had to learn, like, if I ask him to take it, I need to let it go. He's going to take it. Yeah, or or set the expectation, hey, I'd like this done in the next hour. Okay, cool. Then that gives me a frame of reference or whatever like that. Um, but then really, like, why does the trash have to go out in the hour? Like, to me, that was just, you're not doing it the way I would do it when I would do it. But really, it didn't matter. So yeah. I think over time I had to learn to, like, just trust and let it go yeah but i think you also adjusted too and you now you start to say things like i'm gonna do that after i do this Uh or um, i'll take that out in the morning on my way to work or whatever you know so you've learned how to communicate that to me so that i can just let it go and not worry about it for sure but keeping score is just a bad idea because you're always going to keep better track of what you're doing than what the other person is doing Um, And I think sometimes there's tons of little things that we do that um, we don't always give each other credit for. For sure. Even something simple like remembering to close the garage door or um, Or making a phone call that I didn't realize he or remember that he even made that I didn't want to make. I don't know. Just stuff like that. There's just so many things that the other person does. And if you, again, if you feel like that's not the case in your marriage and you're like, well, that must be nice. uh, You need to talk about it. You need to... Not point out that the other person's not doing anything, but let them know that you feel overwhelmed or you feel like it's all on your shoulders. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll listen and start to notice big things and small things. I try to be really intentional about telling Andrew thank you um, and showing appreciation, especially in front of my kids. But really always when he does things, even if it's things that he does all the time, like pay a certain bill that he pays every month, I'll be like, thank you for taking care of that. Or, you know, 
putting his dishes in the sink after dinner. He does that almost every night. But I try to say thank you because I want him to know that I notice those things. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads to one of the best ways to get out of this kind of rut, if you're in this rut, is to start leading by example. Yes. Don't expect your spouse to do it. Put that expectation on yourself and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it in such a way that my spouse is going to notice. But it's not to get more points and say, well, look at all the stuff I've done. It, it is just a servanthood. It's a servant heart where I say, I'm going to serve my spouse. And you'll be amazed on when you do that about how the spouse will react and how your life changes as well because you get joy out of serving your spouse. Right. You have a different approach and attitude toward it instead of resentment or frustration. It's more of a, I'm just going to do this because I love this person and um, I want you know our family to be taken care of or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that a good place to start with that is just um, telling them what you do appreciate appreciate about them. Even if it's something simple. Thanks for turning off the light. You know, they're going to look at you like, you're welcome. You know, like they can't get mad at you for being thankful. So the more little appreciation that you show, it's kind of contagious. Um, and again, like I said, especially with kids, it's a good example to set. And like Andrew said, they'll start to notice yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, the fifth or number one, I guess we're counting backwards. Another thing, the fifth thing that I wanted to talk about was speaking each other's love languages. So Dr. Gary Chapman has a study that's been out for many years called the five love languages. Do you remember the love languages? Uh, not all of them. What do you remember? Uh, there is uh, physical touch, quality time, acts of service. Words Gifts of, and words of affirmation. Okay, got them all. Yeah. Sweet. So um, in this study, there's all kinds of tests you can find out there about your love languages. But Gary Chapman is the original like author of the study. He has a book that goes along with it. But you basically identify as a person what makes you feel loved and what makes you feel fulfilled and like what fills what's called like your love tank. And so Andrew and I did the five love languages study when we were dating or engaged. Yeah, we've done it like four times. And then we did it again. Well, we did it a few times. We did it again not very long ago with a group from our church. Um, And it's just, it's really important to know your spouse's love language. It is very helpful. um, Because what makes you feel loved is not necessarily what makes them feel loved. And I say feel because honestly, it's a, you know, it's an emotion that we feel here on the earthly side of things. And so you have to, I, I would encourage you to look into the love languages if you haven't and, and to know each other's because when you know each other's, then you can speak to that. I know what Andrew's love languages are. And so if I'm being intentional, instead of treating him the way that I would feel loved, I can step out and serve him and treat him in a way that fulfills him and helps him feel loved. Absolutely. That's what I, for me, what it did for me is it enabled me to, first of all, use the same type of language. Yeah. Like having the same jargon that we're using is important because it breaks down communication or walls. But then also it does, it, it allows you, like when you get frustrated, um, if there's a, a, a two-week spell where you're not feeling filled up at all, feeling frustrated and I can sense that or I see it or you blow up or something small and I'm like I don't understand what's going on 
uh, and we have an honest conversation and say, listen, you have not fulfilled me in this way. And this is what shows me that you love me. Well, he doesn't even have to say that because I know. Like, you don't have to say this is what fulfilled me. Because I know, I know, I now know your love languages. I'm talking about when we were first dating, it was good to have that conversation. But this is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm not getting. Yeah. As we've grown, yeah, yeah, I can tell right now. It's like, oh, yeah, I have not spent time with you. I have not done these things. Right. Because we just know, Mm -hmm. you know, we're old and we've been together a while. But, um... It's not natural for me to speak Andrew's love languages, and it's not really natural for him to speak mine. Well, ours are kind of opposite of each other. But I think it makes me love him even more deeply when I know that he is trying to speak my love language. Because I know it's not natural for him. And then it means even more to me. So, yeah, the five love languages are physical touch, acts of service, Words of affirmation, gifts, and quality time. And so if you want to think about what you thrive on or what makes you feel the most loved, um, you might be able to better identify those. And I do recommend the book, like I said, because it gives – it's it's a really – it is. It's not a long book at all. And it's straightforward and it's research-based and it makes sense. It kind of clicks when you think of it in, the, in that perspective. They also have a five love languages of your children book which is kind of cool. Um, Andrew and I have just recently started talking about the love languages of mm-hmm. our kids yeah. and trying to identify those because, again, it will help us connect with them and it will help them um, get their love tanks full. And we know that when that is being filled up that um, the relationship is stronger and that um, everybody is just, I guess, at the peak of like... Yeah, absolutely. The way they feel, yeah. they feel. I mean, they're they are more appreciated. They're they feel good. They're yeah, they're just emotionally stable. I guess you could say. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. So, I know I did them in a weird like numbering order, but five <laughs> things we just talked about. So, a quick recap: speak each other's love language. It's probably going to be a little bit unnatural if it's a different love language than yours, but being intentional about that will help everyone. Um, don't keep score. So you're going to get frustrated if you try to think of all the things that you've done and the other person hasn't. So you've got mm-hmm. to throw that out the window. And it's best if both of you are doing that so you're serving each other. And then... Um, Don't forget to date. Yeah, date one another and spend quality time together, making that one-on-one time a priority. Um, go ahead. And then give each other time to do what they enjoy. So um, allow, give space to your spouse to make sure that they can... Um, be their own person. They're not always yoked to their spouse. They can be their own person as well. Well, yeah, as long as it's healthy and yeah, like yeah. honoring yeah. to the marriage. But like, let them have those hobbies, hobbies and yeah. interests, and you know, they don't. We don't have to spend every waking moment together. Yeah. But I can let him have a couple hours here and there to, um, just do fun things that he enjoys, and he does the same for me. Yeah. So yeah. And the last and uh, one of the most important things is prayer. Prayer for each other, prayer for um, the family, um, and also pray together so that you can get in tune with what, what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in their family's life. Right, and you know, we are a Christian family and we believe that our faith is very important and our relationship with God is what matters most. And so even though I love Andrew so much, um, my relationship with God is even more important. Mm-hmm. And so I have to, to make that a priority. And so when you've got that going and you, you have that, um, 
in mind and and you're fostering a strong relationship um, with God, then you're going to pray for your spouse because you're seeking after God's heart and God wants you in a marriage that's healthy. And so um, that's something that's just super, super important to us. And we understand that it's extremely valuable in this commitment that we've made together. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is just five things. I'm sure we could have listed like 25. Yeah. Um, and I would love to hear from maybe some of you listening at some things that you think also help keep a marriage strong. Um, if you want to message us like on our social media posts, or if you want to send us an email at be together podcast at gmail.com, we'd love to hear from you guys because again, these were just kind of our five thoughts, but there's lots of things that could go on Absolutely. on this episode and we're not experts by any means. Not at all. <laughs> so we want you guys to know that, um, we pray that your families are strong and that your marriages are thriving. And if they're not, um, I pray that you take steps to get them healthy. And I don't know what that would look like for you, but um, it's possible. I believe in the power of prayer and I believe in restoration. And so I pray that over you. Um, So thanks for listening. Is there anything else you want to say, Andrew? Nope. Thank you so much. Come back and see us next episode. Yep. Join us on episode 10. Thanks, guys.